0: welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for Gardenmore presbyterian church keep up to date on our website gardenmorechurch.org or search for us on facebook there's nothing quite like a reunion the moment when people are reunited for the first time in a very long time when the berlin wall came down in 1989 there were families that were wonderfully reunited after some 40 years of forced separation. There have been several TV programs down through the years where long lost relatives have been brought back together. And never mind the people themselves weeping whenever they're reunited. Even hard and tough and masculine men like myself have been known to get a little bit teary when the moment of reunion comes. Genesis chapter 45 is the wonderful story of a family reunion and it begins understandably in verse 1 with Joseph simply unable to hold his emotions in for a single moment longer since his brothers first came to buy food in Egypt and didn't recognize who was standing before them and as they progressively showed that God had been working in their lives and they were not the men they used to be so Joseph determined that the time was now right for the bombshell to be dropped and he would tell them who he really was. Now, what would their reaction be? What would they say and what would they do at this shock revelation? Well, there's a beautiful passage of scripture where a reunion takes place and this divided family is is beginning to be drawn back together again. And there's too much here in this chapter to consider it in the time that we have this morning in its entirety. So we'll return to it and consider it, God willing, in a couple of weeks' time. But this morning, I simply want to draw your attention to this amazing forgiveness that's before us in these verses. Forgiveness is at the heart of this chapter of God's word. And there are several aspects of this forgiveness that I trust will challenge our lives and point us to the Lord. Joseph's dreams of chapter 37 have now been fulfilled more times than enough. His brothers have physically bowed down before him, even though they didn't want to and hated him for the dream. But they've bowed down before him almost every single time that they've met him. And interestingly, this repetitive bowing down has invariably been accompanied by a tangible sense of fear in Joseph's presence. And even now as Joseph reveals to them that he's their brother, verse 3 tells us that they were speechlessly terrified as they stood before him. And for very good reason. This was the brother they were jealous of and had hated with an irrational and bitter venom, whose cries they had ignored from the pit into which they had callously thrown him to die. And whom, having sold into slavery, they then perpetuated a twenty-five-year lie to their father about his death. This was him This was Joseph. No wonder these brothers were petrified at the prospect of receiving their comeuppance from the one that they had seriously contemplated murdering. But Joseph was not out for settling old scores. He hadn't spent a quarter of a century nursing grudges that he would relish unleashing if he ever had the chance. No, Joseph's heart was orientated in another direction completely. He was more concerned with forgiveness than with revenge, and he was more concerned with reconciliation rather than retaliation. And his comprehensive and complete forgiveness of those who had sinned against him so heinously and maliciously is fundamentally two things for us today it's a lesson surely in how we too are to extend forgiveness to those who hurt us and cause us pain but it's also an illustration of the kind of forgiveness which god grants to everyone who puts their faith in his son look at what happens Joseph begins by reassuring his brothers in verses 4 to 5 that it's safe to come near and that they're not to be distressed or angry with themselves for selling him into slavery. Come close to me, Joseph says. Well, I wonder were the brothers just sweating a little at the prospect of doing that, of putting themselves within striking distance of someone whom they'd mistreated abominably and who possessed the power and authority of the second-in-command of the might of Egypt. It would have been understandable if they were, but they needn't have been sweating, because Joseph's motives were pure and were good. Come near to me. Why? Because for too long there had been not merely physical distance between them, but a gulf that stretched as wide as the ocean. And the gulf is crossed as the one who was sinned against invites the people who had hated him with a passion to come close, to come near and experience the forgiveness that he actively extends to them. Isn't that at least part of what forgiveness is about? Isn't it about people coming together? About spanning gulfs? About drawing close as brothers and sisters in the Lord? Oh, the hurt and the pain isn't ignored. It's there. The scars might still be raw and even visible. But stronger than and triumphing over the sins and the bitterness... Is the power of forgiveness and the blessing of togetherness and that's done when as here one has the gracious and initial courage to invite others to come near and also as again here another has a similar and no less significant courage to accept that invitation in good grace and in humble appreciation And of course, the template for such a coming together we can see so clearly in the redeeming plan of God carried out by the Saviour. If God sent Jesus to span the gulf caused by our sin, can we not span gulfs that exist between us? If Jesus came so that we who are far off are drawn near to God, can't we be drawn near to one another in Him? Then Joseph further reassures his brothers that in all that had happened to him, God was working out His plans and His will. Verses 7 and 8 are not only a powerful declaration of the sovereign and glorious purposes of God, but They are meant as a comfort to these brothers from Joseph as they understood now what Joseph had come to understand himself. Namely, that God was in ultimate and full control over everything that had happened to Joseph and indeed to them. Now be careful here because Joseph wasn't saying this so that his brothers could return home thinking they had no responsibility for all the evil things they'd done. This wasn't the provision of the ex- of the excuse that says, "Well, if God was doing all of this so that he could get Joseph into a position of prominence in Egypt, then actually we were indirectly doing God's work when we sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites." No, that's completely wrong thinking. The brothers were responsible before God for everything that they had done but what Joseph was doing here was enabling them to see that God was using them even in the evil things that they did to bring about his sovereign purposes for his greatest glory and Joseph was also endeavouring to ensure that his brothers would not remain burdened with an undue sorrow which might have weighed so heavily upon them that they weren't able to receive the forgiveness that Joseph was offering. You know, sometimes it's almost harder to receive forgiveness when you're conscious of how much you've offended someone than it is to extend forgiveness to the person who has actually hurt you. Indeed, that mindset can keep some people from ever knowing a saving relationship with the Lord. What, God forgive me for my sin? No, no. I know all too well what I've done in my life. How could God ever deal with all that I've done and forgive me and wipe my slate clean? Will be assured, if that's how you think, be assured that he can forgive you. For the person who knows the extent of their sin comes the grace of the God who knows it too. And such is the power of the sacrificial love of God that cost the Saviour his life on the cross. That is sufficient to cleanse and forgive the entirety of the debt that even the most sinful of sinners has accumulated. In Genesis 45, Joseph is careful to reassure his brothers that they are forgiven by him for all that they've done and repeatedly in his word. God is wonderfully and graciously careful to reassure us that we are forgiven for all that we've done if we believe that Christ's sacrifice and shed blood on the cross atoned for all our sin. And then notice how in what Joseph does, there's not for the first time the most beautiful mirror image of what his brothers had done to him. Think about it. They drove him away in hatred. Well, Joseph draws them close to him in love They had plotted his death. He makes plans for their lives to ensure their safety and prosperity. They had driven him from home, hungry and scared, behind a caravan of Ishmaelite carts. Joseph was sending them home in Egyptian carts. Verse 22, the the Rolls Royce Phantom of ancient long distance travel reassured and encouraged in freedom with even more supplies for the long return journey ahead. Remember they ripped off his cloak and dipped it in blood? And Joseph gives them here all new sets of clothing. Joseph was sold by his brothers for a pittance. Joseph gives his only blood brother a mass of 300 shekels of silver and five new sets of clothes. And all this is part of the forgiveness that Joseph extends to his brothers who had so coldly abused and mistreated him. Isn't he doing what Jesus says in the New Testament we're all to do if we know the love of God in our lives? We repay evil with good. Joseph's enemies, in this case his own brothers, were hungry, so he fed them. They were thirsty, he gave them something to drink. He was showing the kindness and mercy and goodness of a life dedicated and devoted to God. And we'd be missing the bigger picture of everything that's going on here. If we didn't see in what Joseph does the gracious, forgiving and extravagant love of God towards us in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's gracious love for those who have rebelled and sinned against the one who's done nothing to offend us. Indeed, it is a gracious love from the God who created us, who's given us life and breath who daily provides for us, who blesses us with more than we even realise, and yet in our rebelliousness we live without gratitude to him, or worse, with a hostility and enmity against him. God's grace is seen in how Christ comes to us and then offers us freely what we absolutely do not deserve, and then welcomes us into the family of God and holds us in his embrace forever. It's a gracious love. It's a forgiving love too, because that's what Christ came to do, to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all our iniquities. It's so easy for us to live year after year, in the mess of our own sinfulness, and yet function nonetheless. These brothers did that, under the cloud of their own sin, yet they constantly set it aside. Every time they went to Shechem to graze their sheep, which is where they were when Joseph met them, and they bound him and sold him on, they'd have gone there annually to that region to graze their herds, their flocks. And when they were there, they suppressed what they'd done and they carried on regardless. However, the ability to function did not for one second negate the sin they'd committed. And yet Joseph forgave them. As God does us, when we realise that no matter how well we can function day upon day, it's only when we come to that point of confessing our sins and acknowledging that our greatest need is having that sin dealt with. And when we trust in Christ as the one who alone can forgive us for all our sin. God's love is a gracious love. God's love is a forgiving love. But it's also an extravagant love. Not for the first time does Joseph lavish his brothers with far more than they need, and far more than they could even buy. He gives them more than enough for their present in terms of their journey back to their father. And he reassures them then that all the best of the resources of Egypt, verse 18, will be theirs for the future. Well, suffice to say, that the God who created the wonder of the heavens and the bounty of the earth, who's full of grace, Who promises manna for today and cups overflowing who blesses us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ has promised to withhold no good thing in his house forever from those whose faith and trust is in jesus so let me ask have you experienced this love of god in your life this gracious forgiving extravagant love of God these brothers were given in Joseph's love just a hint just a sample from the taster menu if you like the fullness of which can be ours when our faith is in the one of whom Joseph is but a shadow Jesus came as we're about to sing in our final hymn He came to love, to heal, and to forgive. It's by faith in him that we don't just sing these words, but experience their meaning in our lives.